knowing what the ideal is and then being able to select those who are independent in a way that they're aligned with that ideal opens up a whole different relationship. But if they're just high on independence, well, you don't know who you've got over there, what kind of diversity you have operating, and is it going to serve the ideal that the company's serving? And if it's not, you haven't really done them a service. You've actually hurt them more than helped them. Now, here's the golden question. Every founder lives in this tension. How do you both maintain control of the integrity of your product and brand and create a culture of autonomy with your team? If you found this paradox to be challenging, this conversation is for you. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, High Stakes Conversations for Relentless Company Founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I sit down to discuss the tension between control and autonomy. We discuss the challenges of a leader and a team that is high in control and low in autonomy. We also outline the challenges of the other side of that coin, a team that is high in levels of autonomy and low in levels of control. And we work our way towards the end of the conversation where we outline specifically how to have both high levels of healthy control in your organization and have high levels of healthy autonomy. And that is where we can really work from a place of real strength. So as a leader, if you are facing any of the following challenges with your team, you will get a ton out of this conversation. If you find yourself or others in your organization micromanaging, if you experience unaligned departments or efforts, if you're noticing repetitive mistakes, if you or your team is suffering from a lack of creativity, when solving challenges. All of these challenges are remedied in this conversation. And finally, 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 we've started a new segment of the Naked Leadership Podcast. At the end of every episode, we're having a little fun together with a segment I'm calling Hot Takes. I'm not going to say anything else about it. I want you to hear it for yourself, so stay tuned for that. Now, let's dive in. Gentlemen, Adrian and Dan, so good to be with you. Yeah, good to be here. Great to be back. You autonomous souls, you. <laughs> That's what I'm not you even think. Gonna, I'm, I'm not even going to answer that because I don't have to. Yeah. Well, I what I actually do is make you think that you're autonomous, but <laughs> I'm actually controlling you through all you know all of my mind games and. Yeah, you do um, edit this, so if anybody, anytime people hear people that the things that are like out of my mouth, it's because Chad made me look bad. That's right. And it, what I tell, I say is, pay no attention. To the man with the red beard behind the cu- the curtain. Okay. <laughs> That's right. I am the great wizard. So today we're going to talk about creating an autonomous culture or a culture of autonomy. So I want you to stay close because we're going to talk about the primary challenge that most leaders talk about in this idea of creating a culture of autonomy, which is how do I maintain control of certain elements? If you think about it, I mean, obviously it sounds ridiculous there are certain elements of your business that you want to maintain control of, like quality of service or product or integrity of your brand. And, and how no, do you go and ahead? No matter what, no matter what I say, 
they do the same shit over and over again. I just don't know. You know, I'm sick and tired of this crap. Then I fire that one and I bring somebody else in. And no matter how thorough I am with them, they do the same shit. No, Adrian. Well, and then compound that with everybody wanting to work remote right now. Uh Oh, all those slackers. Can't get them to come back in the offices. Yeah. Essentially, they want to get paid full time for a part time job. That's what that means. Yeah. Uh, this this topic came up for me because I was I lead a conversation in a mastermind locally here for business owners. These are all really hard driving, really brilliant business owners. One of and it's a place where we can come together and really talk about what's meaningful for them in the moment. And one of the members of that group brought this topic and he was really sincere about it. And I, I really it really struck a chord with me because he was asking this question of, you know, I'm I'm striving to create a culture of autonomy. I want people to feel like they have ownership and and are autonomous in my in the work that we're doing. And I just got burnt by somebody who I was really trusting, quote unquote trusting with. And he was doing all sorts of things in the name of our company that were not we're not consistent with what we say we're about with our values inside the company. And I, it was it was a really rich conversation that happened after that in that group. So I wanted to bring it to our conversation here. So first off, let's get some terms. Let's get, let's get a, a common understanding of what we're talking about when we talk about a culture of autonomy. What is autonomy? In the Harrison that we use, the Harrison assessment, that it's a tool that we use to gauge uh, people's enjoyment in their position and how, the, how their enjoyment in what they're doing is going to result in success in their career. It, one of the traits it measures is wants autonomy. So I wanted to just start the conversation there. As you guys hear the word or the phrase wants autonomy, or as we talk about a culture of autonomy, what are we talking about? Yep. Well, it, you know, once autonomy in, in that context is, you know, I, I think I think people naturally put the word autonomy with freedom, mm-hmm. um, with maybe like independence, like I'm, you know, I'm a free agent, like I've got choices, I've got options, I've, you know, there are lots of ways people talk about it, but this kind of, um, you know, freedom i guess is that that word that that sticks out with me i can do what i want i've got space you know it's maybe the opposite of like micromanagement maybe it's macro management like you know i've got room yeah yeah i define it as the principle of voluntary responsibility um so i voluntarily do the things i need to do the way I need to do them in order to accomplish what I'm committed to, right? Whatever that is. And, and I, and it involves, it means I'm going to take initiative on the things that are most important to have that done. And I'm going to prioritize in a way that, that supports the outcome of what I'm aiming at. I have, there's a hierarchy of concern that I voluntarily act on in order to bring about what I'm committed to. Dang. Yeah. Adrian, you just uh you just sent us a picture chicken scratched really quick off the fly of this uh this paradox, this paradoxical trait table. And those of you that are listening, if you can imagine this, so we have a table with a vertical axis and a horizontal axis, and on the vertical is control, 
right? So going from the bottom up control and autonomy going from left to right on the horizontal and that's divided into four quadrants. And if, so if we're high on control and low on auto, uh, low on autonomy, you have dependence there. Uh-huh. Talk about that. Well, I'm thinking about a client right now and her complaint is, is how little people do. And what's hidden behind that is how much she does. <laughs> right. So how much she controls, how much she controls and that the standards that she operates with and how little standards that people have around her. And so therefore, like she does all the work for them and can simultaneously complains about how little they do. And, and there, there is a dependency uh, of both parties. Right. So yeah. like they, they have been trained to not think on their own, not to be in a like performative cycle if you will where it's like i try something i'd give my best at something i get feedback about it i get notes about it i get better and better and better and you know you sharpen the saw there's no process there for that so they just wait around because they know the leader is going to do it anyway and so they're dependent on the leader to do the work for them the leaders also um you know they have created a whole system where everybody's dependent on her for coming in and saving the day so it's this it is this this severe attachment between who's right and who's wrong, who's good and who's bad, and it's it's a hierarchy like that. So it's a it's a dependent state. Everybody has their roles, even how dysfunctional they are. They are pretty very set in their roles. And normally, the complaint is, I can't find anybody that can live up to the standard. They right did, on. They can't do it, so I have to do it. Well, a sense is. of like a sense of victimhood around right. people that, and you know, I pay them, but if I didn't do this for them, they'd never get the job done. And yeah. Really yeah. Good. Well, the, I'll, I'll give you the quote from yesterday's. And if you're listening to this client, I love you. The quote from yesterday is, you know, don't they know that I'm paying their bills? Oh, I've, don't, yeah. you know, I, that must just, be my, I've had plenty of my clients. say <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's, I think this is a part of like the founder's dilemma is, you know, they are all in for the most part to this mission. And then when they need then when they're successful enough that they have the pain of success. So actually what's needed is more hands. Well, what type of hands are needed? What, you know, it's mm -hmm. and yeah. what type of thinking is needed? And they don't think about the context that it, with, with her. I, I was talking yesterday around, well, you've got a bunch of you keep hiring Ferraris with Volkswagen engines, like people that look a certain way in your mind, but they actually don't perform, and you know they don't perform because you are, you're hiring for roles and, and experience and not mindset, and the mindset is the engine. That's what, yeah. you know, the Ferrari can't be a Ferrari without a Ferrari engine. You're I'm sorry. You're talking about Volkswagen kits, right? <laughs> Where they build Thanks, them, sure. they look like a Ferrari, but they have the Volkswagen. That's right. That's I right. just I am not appreciating you guys shitting on Volkswagens. That's all I'm. <laughs> Love Volkswagens, but they it's it's inauthentic to look like a Ferrari and run like a Volkswagen. Right on. <laughs> God bless you. You can banger. slap a stallion emblem on there, but it doesn't change the doesn't change the performance. That's for that's sure. right. That's the right. thing. One thing that I would add to your quadrant on there, dependence. When we talk about high control, low autonomy, is managing behavior. Right. 
We're yeah. spending yep. our time managing the behavior of the people rather than being yeah. interested or connected to the thinking of our people. Right. Yeah, or managing process. You think that, well, I'm just going to, you know, I've got to make sure the process is followed yes. and people yeah. become a tool. And, right. and then they're not the right kind of tool because they just won't do it the way I would. And That's I'm, right. You know, so it gets really con the control and the micromanage. It's either micromanage or completely hands off, like right. uh, completely permissive. And then yes. the flip comes with the, with the harshness because it didn't get done right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, um, you, I, you, you bring up micromanaging, Dan, and this is, this is an interesting topic. It's come up a few times in my coaching calls very recently. Leaders telling me, you know, I, when we're, t we're having the conversation about checking in with your people and having mature trust with them, meaning you, you're, you trust them knowing they could betray you at any moment. So you're going to stay connected to them. You're going to check in make sure that they have what they need, make sure the results that they say they're committed to creating are being created, all of that sort of stuff. And a lot of, I've had a couple of people ask me or bring up the fear of being a micromanager. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm afraid of being a micromanager because I'm in, I'm too controlling. Because yes. I've, I've, I either, it's kind of like, it's that union thing. If it doesn't work this way, well, I'll just go to the opposite. If if right. I if the I pendulum swing. That's right. So if if my complete permissiveness isn't working, I'm afraid of becoming a micromanager because that's I'm either passive or aggressive. Yes. I, I, yeah. I don't think I haven't really spent the time to understand what I'm up to. Right. When yeah. I say the principle of voluntary responsibility, it it actually sets up. It creates a, a social hierarchy. Think about it. If I'm responsible for this turning out, in other words, my input, and I'm gonna, I'm voluntarily giving myself to it. I'm gonna be autonomous about it, mm. and I'm going to make sure I create a narrative so that others. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be invitational versus controlling. I'm gonna invite people into the conversation and I'm going to know what it's going to take to do it. I'm going to know what kind of attitude is wanted and needed. I'm going to trust that if this person has the competency, which if I hired them, they ought to, and they are willing, they're, they're, in, they're answering an invitation, then I become a resource rather than an impetus. Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. I become a resource to them and they can call on me. They know what they can call on me for. And they and they have a good orientation about what's wanted and needed, and now they can go about their way voluntarily, being responsible to produce the outcomes they said they're committed to, and that creates a hierarchy. So if they get stuck, they even know who to call. It may not be me; it might be another team member who has that expertise that they can help them think through what they're up to. Right. So the, the that's a very different way of thinking about what one's up to. But if I'm in a control mindset, then I'm going to think about what I need to do to make sure they behave. Like you said, I'm going to control, try to control their behavior like an amoeba. If I put a sugar cube out here, they're going to come towards it. If I don't want them to go that direction, I put vinegar there, right? And so yeah. then I become Pavlov versus a partner. Uh, I'd rather no, be a partner yeah, yeah. than yeah, Pavlov. Yeah, yeah. 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 
Get them yeah. salivating. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Adrian. Let me add a couple bars yeah. on the micromanager yeah. bit because I, I hear this a lot, and it usually comes up whenever they've been unmanaging, and so yes. that's their that's right. Their <laughs> unmanaging, unmanaging, <laughs> and they're at a level of Which frustration. That, that should be a book, unmanaging, unmanaging. dummies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I what I so I think two two things come to mind. One is. Um, we all have this conversation in our head, and then we have a conversation that we have externally. Um, and I think most founders we work with are naturally very directed human beings, meaning like they direct themselves, yes, yes. I would say. And they might come off controlling, but the, but the aim of it is actually direction and leadership. Like they're, you know, they're, they're self-starters, right? They're full of initiative. And they, I think they end up not managing or unmanaging because they are so micromanaging usually of themselves internally. Like they keep themselves like, like marching on a very narrow line. And then they know that that's like not useful externally because people hate that shit. So they, so they flip to the other side externally. I think that's a lot of what I hear and what I've noticed even in myself where it's like, I, yeah. I run myself like a, you know, like a platoon in the army and, and I can give up joy rather quickly and just to get out of duty, right? And I I've just got to get this. Yes, amen. So I can get this stuff done. Um, yeah, so I think that's part of it. And the other part of it is uh, that I've noticed with entrepreneurs, like most of the folks we work with, uh, at least the top leaders are usually very entrepreneurial, that we typically give others what we want. Hey. Right. So if I'm an entrepreneur and somebody's micromanaging me, that's like hell. Like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. I don't want yeah. to. What, you not know who I am. I'm going to do this. Get out of here. Just tell me what you want to get done when you want to get it done and leave me alone. So that most of our entrepreneurs live like that. They have 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 striven, striven. striven. They strive for right. autonomy. And so they end up giving other people that same thing, thinking that's a gift to them. So right. I, because they they treat others, you know, golden rule. They treat others the way they like to be treated, although that might be very disconnected from what's needed in reality. Sure. And what's interesting is if you do that, you give somebody autonomy, they may come back and say, I need more structure. I don't know what you're talking about. Help me think of it. And you go, and then you're offended because you think, what? what are you talking about? I don't want to be Can we do your job for you? Can we do your job for you? What you... <laughs> Wait, you I have questions? I'm, I thought I'm paying you. You need help? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a so... babysitter. <laughs> right. Another thing that shows up here in this um, dependence quadrant, I would say, is uh, an intolerance of mistakes. Right. And, in, in any, right. In any culture of autonomy, there is a margin for mistake. There has to be. Because yeah. you're, you're allowing people, right, mistakes outside of yourself. Right. Meaning, there, it's more of a... As I think about it, Chad, it's like a learning environment. Like, oh, right. you made a mistake. But if I'm doing it for you and you fail, then I have to learn what I already know, and I'm pissed off because I already know right. this. That's right. Why aren't you learning what I'm doing? Right. Yeah. Or, or even like the intention mechanism distinction comes up for me. So like if... Even if someone can deliver the same outcomes, but does it in a, in a quote unquote weird way, that's even yes. you want to micromanage and control the process. If right. we're in this, if we're in this controlling mindset, right? So it's <laughs> like, she, why is she doing it that way? That's so dumb. You know, that's yeah. like the conversation a lot of times. 
or that's taking twice as long. I mean, who knows what they might learn along the way? I'm not interested in that. I'm actually just interested. Just can you just get in line? Uh. Can you just study quote unquote best practices? Can you just go <laughs> do what I would do? Right on. Right on. Hey, so, oh, go ahead, Dan. Well, the other thing is the person learns to ask for what they need to do, and if you can't tell them, they're frustrated. And then if you tell them and they don't do it well, the question is, well, what thinking actually made doing that a possibility? Right? Because you do what you do because of what you see as possible. So if they don't see the possibility of the process you have in place, they really aren't, there's just, there's something in their thinking missing. And they'll, they're they going to try to reinvent the, like, there's nothing worse than somebody coming try to reinvent your process before they even learn what the process is in place for. I'm all right. for reinventing the process, but first learn the way we, us dummies over here, have done it and got us to where we're at so we can hire you. And there's no doubt that you might, there's better ways, but please learn this one first case all your experiments don't work. You can return to this and try again, go again. Right. Right on. Yeah. We experienced that a little bit today, didn't we, Adrian? <laughs> oh yeah. What's that? We, well, we hired a vendor to help us with some of our marketing and, um, She's she's a a great gal, but she's a script reader, um, or a or a script regurgitator rather. Yep. yep. And um, she didn't take a minute to find out what our goals were. Yeah. Um, and she had the script, and Adrian worked to interrupt the conversation to have a conversation about what our goals were. And it, I think you were speaking Chinese to her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish that's when I realized I'm halfway through it and I'm like, what? What am I doing? This yeah. is not going to work. She's, yeah. She doesn't even know what I'm talking about, let alone is she even listening. But sure. even if she were listening, this is like, this is master's level stuff. And I don't mean that derogatorily. I guess I do maybe. Sorry. But, the, <laughs> but, I, but really, it's like I was realizing, what am I doing here? Just shut up, Adrian. Just sit back, enjoy the ride. Chad Hear what she's got to say, and then we'll do yep. our thing. Chad yep. will make the bet. I don't. I'm not here to educate her. She's not paying me for a coaching contract, nor is her boss. Not yet, anyway. And here we go. But yes. yeah, how to yeah. work she, out? She was. She was. Uh, we got the insight we needed to go do what we're going to do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it was valuable. It was great. Good. Good. Yeah, but she was so unautomatic, you know. But you could tell. You could tell organizations that are like that are high control. Uh-huh. We train people not to think. Uh huh. We yeah, train sure. people not to be agile. We train people to just do this, just replicate this. And if you're going to work a volume-based business, like I'm assuming this business is volume-based, then great. Yeah. Just hit the bell curve, and you're great. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. We don't we thinking equals presence. I mean, if I'm there to think, I'm going to be present and bring myself to the party, and and. So here's a script. Go in the name of scaling. Here's your script. Yeah, just do this. <laughs> don't don't you don't freewheel it. Just read this thing. That's right. Don't connect. Like you can still yeah. connect and have the script. Yeah. Right. Right. And the script. And that's what that's where we're going. Right. So we can. So that would be high control, low low autonomy. Let's go the other direction. Let's go low control, high autonomy, which is where I think my friend. 
in the mastermind found himself with this particular employee where uh-huh. he thought he was creating something valuable, but he was letting go of a lot of the the control or, yeah, let's dive into it. So low control, high autonomy. Adrian, you wrote independence. I did. And what I hear or what I read or what I make up, what I see when I read that is a bunch of moving parts that aren't connected. There's no yeah. through line. There's not a home base to come back to. Right. Yeah, you know, that lower quadrant, just a quick edit, I might put that as codependence. Sure. Just dependence, but codependence because there's a symbiotic relationship going on in that one. And then you come up here and you have independence. Yeehaw, that's really exciting. So, Dan, wait, you would change it. So, well, that's going to be too complicated that's to talk going. about on this, in this conversation. Let's not go there. But we can scratch that. Afterwards. Let's we not have, go there. We, we have Just a new paradigm. About it. Low control, high Low control, high autonomy. So one of the... Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time. Life is not fair. It's what you negotiate. Now that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now, the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true... Wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate what's effective and what's ineffective, what your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. One of the interesting things that I think happens here is there's a low attention to, uh, once again, the thinking that's creating what's going on. Yep. Um, because there's, maybe it's a, well, help me understand here. So what are some, sure. when when we're high on autonomous, we're low on control, what are some of the tripwires that we run into? Well, I would, I would say it's freedom without constraint. People go off the reservation. Right. Yeah. So it's it's the celebration of which is usually a very, very flattering and very fantastical conversation like, hey, you be here. You just go. You be you. Just go do it. You know, we're just you be you, big boy. Go have fun and just do whatever you want to do. And it's like a celebration of autonomy and i.e. freedom with zero concern about, um, you know, any kind of values, any kind of standard, any kind of uh, through line, as you were saying, any kind of connection back to the whole it's just a celebration of this 
person doing what they want to do. So it's kind of a, it's an all self-expression. Yes. And it's very precious in that way because there's like, there's, there's no constraint baked into it. And, and that's why it's so many thoughts here at one time, but there's, but there is, it's very, what I want to say, I think this comes up culturally so much. I'm trying to sift through it. Um, it looks really good to act this way. Um, I think especially generationally, I think this is one of the challenges is that um, the younger and younger generations really kind of expect this. Um, and uh, if you're trying to manage young, you, you, you'll come off seeming this way. And so you like you celebrate independent thought without like any kind of connection to the whole. And so the the challenge of it, I think, which is your which is your question, is that people end up not only just exploring past, you know, if, I don't know why this analogy comes to my mind. If you leave the house and you go out past the hedge, people end up going way like five fields down the road and they get so far gone that there's no there's no pulling them back without like raining on their parade. Um, and then you end up creating factions of thought and factions of behavior over there because they might band together and just have this whole little party over there and not be connected back to the whole. Now that sounds great unless you want to get something done. Sure. You, you sure. know, so that or unless you want your clients and, and customers to have a consistent experience with your right brand on. and your people. Right on. I think of this right like, I, 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 I think of this as, um, did you, I don't know if you guys had this experience, but I definitely did. I had friends in high school that had like the cool parents that like anything goes at their place. Yes. Right. But, yep. but it, those are the look, houses look where like, <laughs> those are the houses where the overdoses happen and, oh, yeah. the you know, lots of other the, unspeakable the police visit a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I have this a little different view in here. Dare I go there philosophically? But if you think about diversity, high, you want, so if you go up in that high independence, low control, you're going to have more diversity. Now, the thing about diversity is the any corporation has a norm. They have a vision. They have an ideal. And when you have an ideal, you're going to have people who match the ideal, who naturally, because of what they like to do, match the ideal. And then you have people who are going to be on the fringes. They're going to be, tend to be more creative. They're going to tend to be more out there. And and the idea is like you want to cl- select the right diverse entity to come to the party, right? So if you've got a steakhouse and you've got somebody who's staunchly, let's say, a vegetarian, well, no problem. They're probably not going to want to work at the steakhouse because a m- most staunch vegetarians I know and I respect don't they they may even eat meat if it's necessary but they're not going to eat meat just for the culinary value of it and they may not like working in a steakhouse they may not be what's going to turn them on nor is it going to turn uh nor is it going to kind of be good for the business people aren't they may not be real good at in uh, at waiting on tables or wanting to wait on tables with people eating meat now why i bring that up is do they have a place? Yeah, they're going to do much better in a vegetarian restaurant. So knowing what the ideal is and then being able to select those who are independent in a way that they're aligned with that ideal opens up a whole different relationship. But if they're just high on independence, well, you don't know who you've got over there. 
what kind of diversity you have operating, and is it going to serve the ideal that the company's serving? Uh, and if it's not, you haven't really done them a service. You've actually hurt them more than helped them. You, uh, because trying to include them is going to affect the ideal, it'll dissipate the ideal, and they're going to feel marginalized because they're not being effective at what, even though they, they want to be, right? So these are... Yeah. These are real tensions that go in place, right? So that just takes it well, on another level, right? Is being paying attention to people and what they like to do, what they care for, and being able to line it up is a very different thing than just setting them free out into the reservation and hoping they're <laughs> going to come back with what your ideal is and then getting mad at them that they don't. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the, the pain of this quadrant, which I think you illuminate really well, Dan, if you keep if you keep uh, persisting in this way, this is where, so if, if you've got this going on in your culture, you're probably going to talk about it as cliques, yeah. as factions, Ugh. you know, because if there's one, if there's one person that doesn't like a certain ideal to use your, to use your lingo, if they don't like the ideal, they're probably going to, they might, there might be underground about it and then they're going to start sharing about it. And, and then as they start sharing about it, other people are going to say, well, you know what? I don't like that either. That's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's what and I think too. Let's and work. Be, you know what? And that'll polarize those who do like the ideal. That's now right. You've got, now you've got this polarization in your culture. That's right. Yeah, we're team. We don't like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> then we've oh got a, we've goodness. got a meeting. We we got to have a we'll have a little secret meeting. We'll get together and complain about this thing. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about with every paradox that we um, that we work with, we talk about both present, you know, being present, having both present is a true strength. Uh-huh. Actually, That's having right. control and a culture of autonomy is a place where we can find true strength and what we would label as success for the people that for our teams and for our uh for our company so let's talk about for that for a second how you agent you labeled it interdependence yeah which i i really love that word yeah um because it signifies the independent pieces relying on each other for results right yeah we do rely on each other at some stage in the process and we've got it we've got it we've got a very similar aim now the aim is always going to be a little bit distinct, but we have a similar aim, and we, you know, I can count on Dan. I mean, just like if we use this as our team, I know when we get on a call with somebody, we've got a very similar aim about what we're what we're there to get done, and we each in this, everybody on our calls, we're going to have a very distinct way of getting there. Like Dan's always got a handful of questions that I wouldn't even have thought to ask, or even even questions that I might not even agree with where we'd go next, and that's cool. I know that we're going to meet up later in the conversation, you know, aligned. And, you know, so we've got this similar aim, but there's, there's a lots of room for self-expression, tons of room for self-expression. And like, we can be really flexible in the mechanism of how things work and how things are said. I mean, at, at some point, right? Like we've got some core convictions, some core distinctions, some core values, whatever you want to call them, those aren't going to go away, but then we've got lots of room. There's lots of gray that we actually celebrate and Go ahead, have fun. But then this is what this is. These are the core values. So there's an interdependence. I actually need to know. I, I I want you to know where I'm coming from, and I want to know where you're coming from. And then we've got a lot of room to roam. 
Yeah. You know, like that, that's I, when I say interdependence, that's really what I mean. Like I, I am dependent on you, but you're not controlling me. Yes. And that upper quadrant, that interdependent quadrant is an invitation. Right it's on. It's not coercive. Right I mean, on. I'm not having to coerce anybody. I'm not having to threaten anybody because we're aligned with what we're aiming at, at the ideal. Yeah. And there's a confidence because we've had a communication, we've set up and we're clear about what the hierarchy of concerns are. Uh -huh. So we've taken the time to really play that out and make sure that our personal values are lined up with that. And then, you know, we can be a resource for each other, right? We can depend on each other to support each other in our uniqueness to get to where we're committed to go, going. Like, I know I can call on you, Chad, for certain things I'm not so hot at. And same with, with, with Adrian and with Eileen and, and Caitlin and Aaron. There's everybody and Mark, everybody has their own unique gift. Uh -huh. And, and if I'm aligned, if we're aligned with the same ideal, then I'm going to, I'm going to know who I can call in. And in fact, if I'm missing it, I want to know because my, I'm lined up with the ideal. I, that's what's ultimately most important. So I'm going to take my best cut and then I'm going to learn how I can adjust. I'm, when Adrian and I first started the company, I'll never forget our first client meeting was an introduction. He wanted me to get to know the person I was in there to sell a deal. You know, I thought this guy was ready to go. And after we got off the call, we went, oh, maybe we should meet before we get on these calls and get clear about what the ideal is. Like the ideal for this meeting is we know each other and maybe something opens up for another call. Yeah. Hey. Right. Right. Cause it was a little choppy and, and we, I missed the mark and you know, the correction was good for both of us. So, yeah. so that, that it really interdependence is an invitation. Right. And if somebody resists the invitation, then that's worth investigating to find out what's missing rather than kind of crossing your fingers, pushing them out there and hoping they're going to get it done. Uh-huh. I, I really wanted to, as we talked about this high control, high autonomy, I wanted to talk about my experience on our team because it echoes. So if I could just toot the horn a little bit more, look how amazing we are. Um, I, I this is my, this is my experience on our team is I, there is a standard that is known in our work together. Uh -huh. And that comes from our mission, from our core values, and and it comes from the promises that we make to one another, the agreements that we have with one another. So that is the control. That is the that's the part of where that's the home base that I can come back to every single time if I have any question uh -huh. of whether or not I should should make a certain decision, say something, uh, whatever. So that's the that's the control element of it. And then there's this beautiful experience of autonomy where it's like, shit, man, go be creative. We really don't care. Like, here's the results we're going after. We don't really don't care how that's done as long as it is in line with our values. And go discover, go have fun, go be creative, go, you know, do this however you want to do it. Stay connected to us, of course. Um, so that we can learn along the way with you, so we can be connected to your thinking, all of that sort of stuff. But it, it for me, this is this has been displayed, and it, like you said, Dan, like you said, if you're missing it, you want to know. 
I'm the same way. Like I want to be exposed on this team, <laughs> meaning I want to, I want to, I want the feedback. I want to hear the experience and all of that sort of stuff because, because of the autonomy and the control that I experience and that I also get to contribute to. And it's exciting. Uh -huh. It gets me excited about, I, I am excited about my work because I get to play in both of those areas. And you know what's interesting for me is one thing that really signifies that we are at least doing some things right in this area is that um, I can go out and I can create in my realm of ownership. And at any moment, I can ask for help. Uh-huh. And that yeah. is a signal to me that there is a balance somewhat between the amount of control that is here in the leadership and and the amount of autonomy. But uh -huh. you know, I there's another value too that I don't I know you guys have seen this, but I, I experienced it firsthand. Is that this whole idea, this principle of voluntary responsibility. If I live that way and I'm fully, you know, I'm autonomous and I'm aware of but I'm connected to interdependent, if you will, as Adrian put, then I'm going to be sowing meaning across every aspect of my life so that when something breaks down, like when Eon died, it was, it was remarkable the support that I had and the business carried on. Like, mm. the, see, that, that comes from the meaning that gets sewn in because we are aligned with the, with the ideal and, and we're constantly communicating. I was, you know, it was like, I was telling Eileen last night, like, well, we were gone for two months and I don't feel like we missed a step. Uh -huh. you know? And, and I, and I'm, I, I'm so much more connected to my kids and the family came through it is coming through it. Well, and you know, we mourn together, et cetera. But, it does. It, it it's contributed to who we are as people and to our business. You know, I, mm -hmm. I I I can't. I don't know how to communicate it, but it's so holistic. And we didn't cave. We didn't dis. We didn't shatter. We didn't disappear. In fact, we got tighter. You know, all of us. Mm -hmm. With the uh -huh. integration of family, personal life, and business, just held up. Right, held up under the storm. And when stuff breaks down, if I haven't been autonomous or interdependent, then when something breaks down, rather than turn towards the team, I'm going to isolate and, and I'm not enough to deal with something of that magnitude. Or if something business-wise fails, I'm going to falter in a way that if I had a team, I would have found what it would take to, to get the most you know optimal out, outcome. Uh -huh. right? so, I mean, there's that. There's that. It's a big deal, you know. It's it's, yeah. it's for me. It's a big deal. It's it was it proved to be quite meaningful. Yeah, context. If you don't know what Dan's talking about, um, his two and a half year old beautiful little grandson died in January, and as he and his wife Eileen stepped away from not stepped away but pushed pause on some of the work that they were doing in the company to heal with their family. That's what that that's what Dan's talking about, and and Dan, I I think you know, I just to respond to that is there that interdependence that that knowing what our standard is, and also right. having autonomy around that allows for life to happen 
for individuals and the team can step in. Yeah. They and, know where to step in and how to step right. in. And, that's right. And it's like if if you were high control, like if you were leading this team high control, low autonomy, would just just shut the doors. Yeah, I wouldn't have this team probably wouldn't be here. Adrian wouldn't be no. my partner. You know, that's, right. that's right. <laughs> uh, yes, but if somebody else was leading it in that's that right. manner, and something happens, life happens, and and you've got to pay, you've got to shift your focus and attention to your family for a period of time. You get devastated. You get squashed. Yeah. If yeah. it's high control. Yeah. 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 But it's it's life beyond the job description that this phrase comes oh, up to great. me. Oh yeah. Which is which is um there's a book title. You know there are yeah. There is a certain level of commitment that can't be contained in a job description. It ought not be. It really can't be, I don't think. Yeah. But if if as we move as we move out of this interdependence, beautiful picture that you painted, Dan, and move towards control, then it goes back to rules and regulations and job descriptions and expectations and you know, we're we're building with Legos. And it you know, and so we go towards control, which is our definitions which are usually hiding places. Wow. And and if you if you move out of this interdependent quadrant, I'm still using this image if you're still following me top top right. And if you move down into the autonomy, then you, things get squishier, right? Like it's don't depend on me for anything. It's hyper-dependence or, 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 or it, this independence. independence, like less dependency to others, right? So yeah. it's, I'm going to, I'm going to escape. Um, and it's like, everything's fluid. And, you know, but if you're actually really committed to a team and committed to a mission, then you're going to operate inside the confines of your commitments, i.e. your job description. But that's the baseline. It's like the bottom. It's not yeah, the top. Yeah. It's it's like what it's what everything's built on. Like, of course I'm going to deliver on these. And what else is needed? Eh. If I'm interdependent, I'm I'm living in the what else? How else can I help? Like when people say when they come to me with a complaint about, oh, this, you know, Susie, she's you know, she's swimming outside of her lane. And I'm like, is that your vision for the company? Is that everybody just swims in their lane? Like, is that really it? Like, she's got concerns about the other department over there, and you don't even want to hear her out? Because she's, oh, oh, she's, that's she's, great. she's concerned great. beyond her commitments, and you want to squash <laughs> that? I mean, maybe she's to speaking of it in ways that aren't helpful. That's great. Why don't you train how she's communicating? But the concerns that she is, you know, and if she's abdicating her own lane in order to go play over there, okay, good. But I'm just saying that, like, like, being willing to have a whole view of the whole board that's this interdependent feel like okay i, I do care about yeah. what's going on like in the minutiae um for other people this is this is this is actually i think what everybody really wants we're just scared to death yeah. to practice it well, yeah you know in closing i just kind of if you think about how they train special forces the idea is they want to find out where people go under stress do they withdraw and become completely independent or do they turn towards the team and uh -huh. they, they pick the guys and gals that turn towards the team under great pressure because they can they want to train that even further because that's the way to it's almost like there's a a uh, psychic connection when people do that they have a sense they have a court sense of where they are and what's wanted and needed without even having to talk about it and that that's really what I was getting at 
yes. when I went through this tragedy, you know, as we'd gone through it, I, I knew I had, you were with me. I knew I could tell. And I didn't have to say anything. You were ahead of what my expectations were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'll never forget, we, I, you know, we, Caitlin provided her car. I get in the car. There's food in there for five days. It was like, wow. I hadn't even thought about it. And I know you called Adrian and said all that. Up. And I had, well, Eileen, we were just blown away. Yeah. Well, that's the I mean, but that's also Caitlin doing what we're talking yep, about. Because exactly. I didn't say, hey, make sure you get five days. And here's it. Actually, they like salmon poached this way. And can you make sure it says that I didn't need to? She thought, yeah. oh, great. She was already on. Yes. And let me, you know, Write down beyond. a cup of coffee in the driver's seat when I got in out of the airport. I was like, I was so humbled. Yes. Yeah. Like, that is, that's that thing when I think about the stories I've read about special forces, how they can either any one of the eight or six or whoever's in a, in a particular uh, uh, um, formation, formation that they're going mission, in to do something. Challenge. Every one of them going to lead at one point or another, but they're not telling each other I'm leading. They're actually sensing when somebody's leading and how to support. They can follow or lead as needed, and they're they're yeah. tuned into each other that way. Yeah, yeah. So great. Uh, yeah. There, I, I want to extend an invitation. If you've noticed any of these conversations, any of these patterns in your organization, in your leadership. If you're if you're listening and going, oh wow, I'm I might be high on control, low on autonomy, or the other way, high on autonomy, low on control. There are some very specific conversations <laughs> that we can have with you and that you can have with your people to start yeah. to create a more balanced approach in this paradox. Yeah. So if you're with us, if you're hearing it reach out. Don't do it alone. We would love to have a conversation with you about it. Yeah. Don't settle. My thoughts to add to that chat is like, if, if you're noticing, because if you move from interdependence towards control is a lot of cover your ass behavior. Uh-huh. And, and if, and if you, if you're in independence and move towards, I'm sorry, if you're in interdependence and move towards independence, there's a lot of apathy, like nothing really matters here. So if you yeah. hear that, if you notice apathy or if you notice cover your ass, it's just time. You've just, you've got so many, there's so much more possible for you if you notice those in your, and we can help you disrupt that. So, and then, yes. re, and build it. Yes. All right. Now, speaking of challenge and where do you go when you're challenged, do you want to do something I mean, fun? Let's do it. Sure. Let's do it. All right. Amen. So well. this is a new segment of our podcast that I'm calling Hot Takes. Hot Takes. <laughs> And that's the and that is the the little jingle that happens every time I say hot takes. Hot takes. All right. So here's the rules. Here's the rules of the game. So w- the what brought this up for me is that I've heard multiple people say they're just there's some topic out there, some current news or some idea or whatever, and people are like, man, I wonder what Dan would say about this, or I wonder what Adrian thinks about this. And I thought, well, it'd be pretty interesting to put them on the spot really fast. And uh, put up a topic and see what it is that they think or say about it, right? So here's how this is going to work. I've got four topics ready, ready in the canon. I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna say the topic, and you guys can jump in. Whoever wants to first can jump in and give an, give your thoughts, give your hot take on it in less than a minute. If it goes longer than a minute, I'm gonna cut you off and go on to the next topic. If Great. nobody jumps in, I'm going to call your name and it's up to you. Ready? Ready. 
All right. Let's pause for a second. Dan, you okay? <laughs> just mute, just mute yourself, man. If you got a cough, mute yourself. Are you I sure? Did. I did. He did. He saw me coughing and asked. I was going to go for it. You, right? you, ta- you talked hot takes. I swallowed my tongue. Oh, I, <laughs> I think it, I thought you'd get concerned about the, the one minute. <laughs> no, I think that would be both of us on that one. Oh, oh okay, okay. <laughs> I owned it. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yep. Here we go. TikTok ban in the United States. Yes or no and why? Yes. Why? Uh, Because it's a Chinese-owned company, and I think that we've got issues there. Conflict of interest. Anything to add, Adrian? Uh, Let me say no. I don't really have a reason why. Why? 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 Why should we start to restrict this? I mean, I mean, I don't know. If we're we're supporting independence, and why should we decide which companies don't get to, or from what countries don't get to come and influence our people? Got it. All right. Next topic: Silicon Valley bank collapse. Adrian. Um, my first thoughts are, wow, like I, I, I was really ignorant of how leveraged the whole bank system was, you know, so it's, it's, it is a, um, big education on my end, a lot more questions to be asking, um, as far as e- even for us as we're guiding founders. Oh, anything to add, Dan? Wasn't surprised. And I've been studying the banking system for multiple years. Got it. All right. Next topic. AI, or sorry, the great IA, let me try that again. The great AI scare taking over people's jobs. Bullshit. Dan. Oh. Go, Adrian. Yeah. You jumped in. Go, I say bullshit. I mean, I mean, what, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, you, we've been, people have been complaining forever about, what, 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 the source of the complaint is that something else is taking over my life. It is you're going to either evolve or not. So if you think if you think you're at a threat that a machine can outperform you right now, great. It's time for you to evolve. So the complaint about it is what kills me. So it's just time to go to find a way to provide more value. Great, Dan. Anything to add? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with Adrian on that one completely. Great. All right. Final topic: layoffs through email. No. <laughs> because people are people and if you don't have the guts to talk to them in person you ought, you ought not be in business that's right yeah uh I, i'm not going to say the first word i thought but essentially it's cowardice wow it's 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 cowardice so if 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 i'll 100 percent agree with dan it's if you're going to let someone go or you're going to lay them off um you can act, you can, you can, you, it's the, it's the nail in the coffin. You've probably been treating like a tool for a long time and they're not a person, right? They're just another number. So let's just send out a blanket thing and act as if that doesn't affect the culture that remains. I mean, you're all, you're striking fear into everybody because you, you don't matter. 
So uh, if you work for a company that has done that, it's time to go because it's, it's just a matter of time till your name's in the in the two box. Yep, that's right. Um, I was shocked. That one came personally from a personal story of a friend who works with a big brand. Their their last round of layoffs was very public, and he received his notice in his inbox while he was on vacation with his family in Europe. Oh wow! So oh, wow. Who, who was that's it? Who fun. was it? Oh. <laughs> Well, thanks for playing along. This has been great. Love the conversation. Love both of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday, we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening. And until next week, bye-bye, everybody.